0: Hey everybody, welcome to our brand new series. Today, we are talking about power. You know what's powerful? The Saturn V rocket. It is the most powerful rocket ever built, even though it was built decades ago. It can move 310,000 pounds at 23,000 miles per hour. Now that's powerful. You know what also is powerful? Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 has moved 4 billion people. Jews, Christians, Muslims, all moved by that chapter. Let's take a look at it as if it was a rocket. Would it be more powerful than the Saturn V? Well, four billion people, let's be generous. Let's say the average weight is 150 pounds. That would be 600 billion pounds. Saturn V, 310,000 pounds. Genesis 12, 600 billion pounds. That's about 2,000 times more powerful than the Saturn Five. Now, that's power. Everybody, today is all about power because in order for you to get what you truly want, you're going to need power and you're going to need a lot of it. We're starting with chapter 12. So just real quickly, what are the first 11 chapters really all about? What's well, about people trying to get what they think they want that's going to bring them satisfaction and they end up dissatisfied? God says Adam and Eve, don't reach for that tree. They said, "We're going to reach anyway and they end up dissatisfied." Cain, don't eliminate the competition. Don't kill uh, your your brother Abel. He does it anyway, dissatisfied. Lamech, don't treat women as objects don't take excessive revenge does it anyway the people of Babel, over and over again it's about people reaching for things that they think is going to bring them what they want actually the first 11 chapters are about how to get what you don't want they are so dissatisfied now Mick Jagger did a great job because he sang this song I can't get no satisfaction though I try and I try and I try and I try and I actually think I'm sure Mick wasn't thinking about this I actually think that those words are a great summary of the first 11 chapters of the Bible. Now, you got to keep that in mind because that's what this is about. This whole series about is how to get what you want. Now, God wants to help you get what you want. That is for sure. I'm going to bring up a uh, leading scientist. He's a neuroscientist, he's written a book on anxiety, it's considered one of the best books in the world right now on anxiety. He just takes a deep dive scientifically and how to deal with anxiety and what's working, what's going on inside of our brains. Now we're gonna we're gonna unpack this throughout the series, but I wanna say here right now: one of the things that Dr. Judd Brewer does when he teaches medical classes, he has these medical students actually repeat things out loud that he thinks is really, really. He says, you know, I have a limited time to train their brains to remember something that's vitally important. And it's important to speak those words out loud. That's how we train our brains. I thought, man, you know, the Bible was a spoken word. Long before it was a written word, it was a spoken word. Speaking it out, training our brains. Romans chapter 10 says, how do you get faith? Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the spoken word. So I think there is something very, very important in this story that begins with Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 12, and that is the spoken word. And here's the idea that we really need to train our brains with, and that is this. God has a plan. God has a plan to help you get what you truly want. I think it's really important that we actually speak those words out. Type them in the chat right now. I think that'll be helpful, but speak them out to whatever screen you're watching on. Train your brain. Do what this leading scientist says about training our brain. Do what the word of God actually says in speaking things out. So ready? God has a plan. God has a plan. I think it's so important that we speak those words out because it's going to train our brain, have an impact upon us. All right, about a month ago, We handed out notebooks at church. Now, there's nothing special about this notebook. Get any kind of notebook you want. Get a spiral notebook. You pay 50 cents for a notebook. The only thing that's cool about our notebooks that we're handing out today in person is they kind of look kind of cool and they say a church for people who don't go to church. But it doesn't matter. Get a notebook. This means that you're really serious about what you want. This means maybe you've never done this. This means you're like, hey, wait a minute. I'm very serious. I'm going to begin to write things down. Habakkuk two two in the Bible says, "Write the vision down. You need to write down your vision, what you want, and you need to write it down in that notebook and bring that notebook back with you each and every week because God is serious about helping you to get what you truly want, and you and I also need to be serious about what we truly want." Now, I want to I want to show you what I've written down in my notebook for Grace Community Church. God put this this kind of burning passion on my heart. Three things: strong faith. Strong families, divine matches. Strong faith. Next week, we're going to talk about faith. It is so important that we have a clear understanding what the Hebrew word faith actually means. Number two, families. We need to belong somewhere. God creates a family. Third and finally, divine matches. All over place in the Bible, it starts with Adam and Eve. God brings together a divine match. This is something I have passionately prayed for for years and i'm going to ask that you would join me in prayer that grace would be a place of divine matches i officiate weddings all the time and many of those weddings are between people who have met at grace community church and as i'm officiating that wedding i am jumping up and down doing cartwheels on the inside because that is an answer to prayer something i prayed so much about and i'm going to ask you to please join me in prayer for that that this would be a banner year of divine matches at Grace Community Church. Have you ever seen that movie, Sully? I love that movie. You know, it's about the miracle on the Hudson, the January 2009, the bird strikes in both of the engines. And Sully, the captain, has to land the plane on the Hudson River with 155 souls on board. He's hailed as a hero. What I didn't know until I saw the movie is actually, he went through a really tough time. He was on the verge of maybe losing his career and the, the movie just really un, unveils that in a big way. Now, if you work for the NTSB, <laughs> I know we have a lot of people work for the government around here. The NTSB wasn't so happy because they felt like the movie went too far. I just needed to say that, but there's a really cool, cool scene in the movie and I, I want to talk about that right now. So he was seriously questioned. Uh, because they said, you know, our simulator showed that you could have turned around and you could have made it to two different airports. You didn't have to put everybody's life at risk by landing on the Hudson River. You didn't have to do that. So with this big inquisition, with dozens and dozens of people, you know, all this pressure is on him and his co-captain there about questioning what they did and why did you put all these people at risk? And they're like, Here's the simulator and here's what they did and you could have landed here and did this and blah, blah, blah. What do you have to say? And Tom Hanks, who plays the part of Sully says, can we get serious now? And the guy in charge of the Inquisition says, Captain, like, what are you talking about? Look at all these people. We're totally serious. Unflappable Sully says, can we get serious now? And he says, you don't have a robot. This is a simulator. This is dual engine loss at 28 hundred feet. This has never happened before. Now, these pilots and the simulators, immediately they make the bank back to the uh, airport. But we didn't know that. We had no idea. We had to do some evaluation. You're asking them to do something. They already know what has unfolded. How many test runs do they get? And they said, well, 17. It took them 17 test runs. Well, they had one shot. I like the part where he says, can we get serious? You're not a robot. You're a human being. Let's get serious now about what you want because Genesis 12 is taking us on a journey to you getting what you truly want. So let's read what it has to say. Genesis 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land, which I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. We're going to pick apart Genesis chapter 12 in the weeks to come. But some really big things that I would like to deal with right here, right now. God says, go, go. Jesus talks about new wine, and here's what is for sure. You're going to have to leave some things behind in order to get the new wine. Power. There are three really important things that I'm going to call power pulverizers. And here is the first one. Power pulverizer number one is not knowing the language or the culture of the Bible. You've got to know that. It's like when you go to your friend's house for the very first time. You don't know the culture in your friend's house. So what do you do? I like to think of it as I walk in really slow and low because I'm... trying to measure what is the deal? how do they do things here another way to say it in our modern day vernacular is slow your roll we need to do the same thing with the bible i mean your friend's house do they wear shoes in their house some people wear shoes everywhere all over the place they wear their shoes to bed right there's all kinds of people other people you don't step foot in the house with a pair of shoes on and i don't mean they just do it for cleanliness it's deeper than that it is their culture it would be highly offensive if you wore shoes so slow your roll you got to figure things out. I am amazed at myself looking at myself in, in the past when I said, here's what this verse means. And I had no clue what the language or the culture of the times were. Now, Jesus even says it himself in Matthew he says, you know what? You can discern the weather by looking up to the clouds, but you don't know the signs of the time. Do you know the signs of the time when it comes to an- ancient Hebrew or the ancient Near East culture, are you well-versed in that? I think about myself sometimes. When I go to a restaurant, I will review that restaurant. I'll get all on the reviews and read and read, read. I do more research on a restaurant to eat a meal than I have on a verse that might direct my life. That's not right. Many years ago, I went to Nigeria. I had a fantastic time in Nigeria, but there's something about Nigeria—it's their culture. Here's how they—they they wave people to them. They go like that. And I remember when when the pastor over there was waving me to come to him. Now this is the way we would do it here in the United States of America. He was doing this, and I felt like he wanted me to come. I'm like, and he wave. Am I go- I which way am I going? Am I going towards him or away from them? Do you know what the culture is of the Bible? Do you know where the Bible waves us? I mean, if you don't know if you're turning right or left, you're going to have a big problem. You have got to get in to the language, the ancient Hebrew in the culture of the Bible. How in the world are we going to be able to figure out what the Bible means unless we understand? We're going to rob ourselves of so much power right from the start. Don't do that. Okay, so here is... Power pulverizer number two, not knowing who you are. Identity, belonging, purpose. That's the big three. You got to know them. You have to know them. If you'll start with identity, purpose, and belonging, if you start there, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere. Now, we're going to deal a lot with purpose uh in the weeks to come. But for now, like at the start of this series, identity and belonging. You got to know who you are. That's identity. And you got to know whose you are. That's belonging. I'll, a few weeks ago, Pastor Derek, the very first Sunday of 2022, uh, he was talking about time management, finding balance in our life. And I thought it was interesting. He he, he was reading the book from this time management guru and here's, here's the number one time stealer he put out there for us. I thought it was so good and I'm ready. I'm thinking, you're going to give me some new gadget, something I can do to really like save me time. Here was the number one time stealer. Not being loved. The need that all of us have to be loved. That's identity stuff. That's belonging stuff. So I'm not going to manage my time, you know, good, accurately, well, unless I know who I am and whose I am. I thought that was fascinating. So if you'll start here, you can go anywhere in your life. Now here's what ancient Hebrew scholars tell us about the word go in Hebrew, the Hebrew word go. It means this, it means to go to your true self. It means to go to take a journey to your authentic self. And what God is saying to Abraham and Sarah is this, I wanna take you on a journey. Guided by God to your true self, who you really are. And it is so radically important. Right? This power of this verse, here is where it begins. You are never going to get what you really, really want out of life until you know exactly who you are. And that's why God begins this powerful verse, Genesis 12, 1, with, Go, take a journey to your true self now, Here's what John Calvin says about knowing who you are. He says, our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. John Calvin, famous, famous Protestant theologian of the Christian church. Pete Scazzaro, he's a counselor and a pastor, 21st century counselor and pastor. The vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. He continues on in that to say, you know what, most of us will do this. We will live our lives uh, fulfilling somebody else's expectations, not being who we truly are. And he says, you know what, when you do that, you do violence to yourself, violence to your relationship with God and ultimately to other people. You got to know who you are. It's kind of like Socrates says, the unexamined life is not worth living. So God is taking Abraham and Sarah on a journey to their true self, to their authentic self. Now God has a plan for helping you to get exactly what you want. And it starts with you knowing who you are. So let's do it again. This is really important. We're going to train our brain. Dr. Judd Brewer, neuroscientist, the spoken word of God, God has a plan. Will you say that please with me? It is critically important to train our brain this way. God has a plan. God has a plan for you to help you get what you want. Okay, everybody, here's the final one. Power pulverizer number three, not knowing the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we should walk by the Spirit. We should live by the Spirit. We should keep in step with the Spirit. We should keep on being filled with the Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit along with a lot of other people in the Bible. Here's the big question. What exactly does that mean? For me, for much of my life, my only understanding of that was a mystical experience. And I do not want to say it's not a mystical experience. If you look in the dictionary, the word mystical is a religious experience that can't be explained. It's unexplainable. You sense the power of the Holy Spirit. Many of you have. I want to be super clear here. I am not saying it's not that. I have sensed power of the Holy Spirit myself in, in my life. But I want to unpack this Hebrew word for spirit. In Genesis chapter one, God is speaking a lot, constantly. God speaks, He creates, He speaks, He creates. Well, then God starts talking less. Matter of fact, there was ten generations of silence before you get to Abraham. So from Noah to Abraham was 10 generations, and there was total silence. God was not speaking. And all of a sudden, God spoke. God spoke. And Abraham's life began. Like, we don't know anything about Abraham before God spoke. He's 75. Life begins at 75. Life begins when God speaks. Life begins when God speaks, and we hear and we respond. That is the point of all this. God is speaking. What? does the Hebrew word for spirit mean? It's a Hebrew word. It's called... It's Ruach. R-U-A-H. Now, this is so important. The Holy Spirit is so important, everybody, that you get into the second verse in the entire Bible. Like, you, there's so many verses in the Bible, but the second verse we're introduced to the Ruach, to the Spirit of God. And Ruach in Hebrew means four main things. It means wind breath, mind, or your brain, and spirit. Now, what do those four things have in common? They are all four invisible and powerful. Invisible and powerful. Wind. Wind is so mighty, so powerful, it can bend a huge tree. That is how mighty wind is. You can't see it, but it's powerful. You see its effects. How about breath? So Ruach means wind. It also means breath. So in in ancient Near East, in ancient Near East and ancient Hebrew, I, a person who had breath in, remember, God in Genesis chapter 2, breathes the breath of life into humanity. Breath is what animates us. We're living. When somebody dies, I'd heard for so many years that when somebody dies, they take a last breath and and then I finally saw it for myself. I was at the bedside of my father-in-law, Big Russ, when he passed away. And sure enough, he took a huge breath in and he breathed out. And then it just looked like the life was gone from him. And I said, Krista, I think your dad has passed. Sure enough, he did. You give CPR to somebody because you want to infuse them with life once again. Jesus Christ breathed on his disciples the Holy Spirit. Breath is life. Spirit. Ruach also means spirit. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit enters into the upper room and they hear this mighty rushing wind of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the earth in Genesis chapter 1 and creates order out of chaos. Wouldn't we love that in our own lives? Where the power of the Holy Spirit is creating order in our lives of chaos. The Holy Spirit, like a mighty rushing wind, separates the sea so the Israelites can walk through on dry ground. When they were facing certain death, the Spirit of God blows and opens up the sea so they could get through. Third and final one that I really want to focus on is it means our mind, our brains our brain, our mind, where ideas are, are powerful. Ideas are powerful. The wheel was invented. It changed the world. It started as an idea in somebody's mind, and then it became a wheel. The internet that we have today is so incredibly powerful. It started as an idea that now we can surf the web on. Ideas are power. They're power. Dr. Judd Brewer, who I've been talking about, says that our brains are the most important part of our bodies. So if we're going to be filled with power, then it has a lot to do with our brains. I want to read you Exodus 31.3, and I want you to think about that. Remember, it means four things. Breath, wind, spirit, and brain or mind. Exodus 31.3. Here you got a guy who is filled with the power of the spirit, and this is what it says about him. God speaking, I have filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom. In other words, he can figure things out. With understanding, he knows how to make things work. With knowledge, knowledge is information, knowledge is ideas. And finally, with all kinds of skills. Now, who is this guy? This is the guy that builds the Ark of the Covenant. This is the guy that builds the tabernacle. God has inspired him with the ideas, with the skills, with the know-how in his mind to work with gold and silver and all kinds of precious metals and wood to be, as the scripture says, a master craftsman. So God's Ruach infuses the ideas into this guy's Ruach. Remember, God has a Ruach and we have a Ruach. God influences this guy's Ruach with the ideas. In order to be a master craftsman. You know what the word inspired means? The etymology of that word is to be inspired, To be, like somebody says, I've been inspired with an idea. You got it in your brain. The Holy Spirit inspires, spirits into our brain. God's rock to our rock with knowledge, with the power of ideas. We talk about the word genius. You know where that word comes from? A spirit who guides somebody in a path of truth. That's the etymology of the word. You want to be a genius? This guy was a genius in Exodus 31. A genius because the Holy Spirit inspired the most powerful part of his body, his brain, with the ideas that come from Almighty God. The world is filled with lots of holy things. Like There's holy people, there's holy places, there are holy practices. But the Bible, everybody is about holy ideas. The writers of the Bible valued the ideas that revealed to us. We call it a revelation. We couldn't have come to this information on our own. God had to reveal by the Ruach of God to our Ruach the ideas of who God is. And then we immerse our brains, our Ruach, influenced by the power of God's Ruach in these ideas that are transformative, that actually lead us to who we truly are and to get what we truly, truly want. The people of God's Word, people of God's Word had a passion, passion, passion for education. Matter of fact, their heroes were the educators. The power of the Bible is the power of ideas revealed to us in the scriptures by the Holy Spirit. Now, why did God choose Abraham? Right? So we're told that Noah was righteous. We're told that Moses had a passion for justice. We're told that David was a great warrior. But why is it Abraham? Why is it Abrahamic monotheism that has moved 4 billion people? Why is all this founded on our father, the father of our faith, Abraham? Why? Because we are told in one place that God chose Abraham because he was going to be a great teacher. He would teach, teach, teach. Now where did Abraham go? We'll get into this in a few weeks. Where did Go when he first went into the land of Israel, he went to the tree of Moray. You know what Moreh means? The tree of Moray, Teacher. He went there to be instructed in the ideas of God revealed by the Ruach of God to his Ruach. And then he turned around and he taught, 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 taught. Jesus prayed a prayer probably twice a day, every day of his life. It's called the Shema. It's from Deuteronomy chapter six. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. He prayed that prayer twice a day. After that, in Deuteronomy 6, right after that, it says, teach, teach, teach all the time. Teach your children. Teach them. Write the ideas of God on the doorpost of your home. When you get up and you go out, teach. When you come back in, teach. When you sit down, teach. When you stand up, teach. Teach, 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 teach. teach." Why? The ideas of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God is speaking to us the ideas that we would have never known anyway else. But by God revealing them to us, and when our brains are filled with the ideas of God, we become brand new people. I want to show you something that is really, really important here. Old brain, new brain. There's a lot of parts of your brain, everybody, but I just want to break it down into the biggest, right? Big overview here. You have an old brain, you have a new brain. Dr. Judd talks about this. We have an old brain, kind of caveman brain, and then somewhere along the line, we got this new brain that layered over top of it. Old brain, new brain. Now, do you think that that has anything to do with you getting what you want and with you reflecting the very image of God and you becoming, in a church term, Christ-like? Does it have anything? I would have said years ago, absolutely not. What does it have to do with anything? What does it have to do with anything? What does it have to do with being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Okay. But I want to suggest to you it has a whole lot to do and I will break it down for you real quick. Here is your old brain. Your old brain is like a caveman brain. It's the fight and flight. It's survival. Right? It's, it can be ruthless. It's not interested in empathy or sympathy. It's interested in surviving and getting what it needs right here, right now, whatever it takes to survive. That's your old caveman brain. Here's your new brain, the prefrontal cortex. It's like right behind your eyes, right behind your forehead. That's that new brain that Dr. Judd talks about. What is that new brain? What is the prefrontal cortex? Well, this is what separates human beings from animals. It is the voice of reason and wisdom in your head. This is where you do all of your rational thinking. This is where you do your planning. This is where you think about building bridges with other people. This is where you have empathy and sympathy. This is where you're not thinking about just right now, I'm gonna get all I can get. It's about how can we come together? How can I do things in wisdom? How can I live life well? Now, here's what Dr. Judd says. When your prefrontal cortex, your new brain is under stress, it goes offline. And then the old caveman brain takes over. That is why when you are under stress and things are tense, right, that you'll start yelling things and screaming things or saying things or writing things or eating things or buying things or doing things that you regret Because you can't think. Because you're not functioning with wisdom. Because your new brain has gone offline and your caveman old brain has taken over. That is why when we get so upset, we're like, oh, why did I say that? I'm so dumb. It's because caveman took over. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. I got something else I want to show you right here. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 3. This is amazing. Now the Bible's just starting to come together in an incredible way for me, Colossians 3. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice. That's caveman stuff. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off, uh-oh, you've taken off the old self. You've taken off the old brain. You've taken off the old brain with its practices. And you have put on the new self, the new brain, which is being renewed. How is it being renewed, everybody? How is it it's being renewed in knowledge of the image of the creator by the Ruach of God? God is influencing me with these great, powerful, biblical ideas that have changed the world and are now beginning to change me and to change you so that we can truly finally, finally, finally get some satisfaction by getting what we want. Okay, I want to read you a really important portion of Scripture, Romans chapter 8. Everybody, listen. This is the most intense section of all the Bible about the Holy Spirit. So you want to know what power of the Holy Spirit is? You want to know who the Ruach of God is? Romans 8 is where you go. This is what it says. People who live following their sinful... Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to stop right here. I need to tell you the way the Romans 7 ends. Because I have read in the past Romans 7, the end of it. Please go read it to like a group of guys and they're like, John, why haven't you read this to us before? What is going on? This is me. You know what Romans 7 says? The end of it, Paul's writing, he basically says this, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I want to do. I never do that. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I never want to do. I'm doing them all the time. And everybody's like, all the guys I'm with like, whoa, that's, that's me. And Romans 8 offers the solution to it. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now with that in mind, here we go. Romans 8. People who live following their sinful selves think, think only about what they want, caveman. But those who live following the spirit, the Ruach, are thinking about what the spirit wants them to do. If you're thinking is controlled by your sinful self, oh brain, there is spiritual death. But if your thinking is controlled by the spirit, there is life and peace. Did you catch how many times we talked about your brain and thinking right there? The ruach of God, the brain of God wants to affect your mind, your ruach and transform you this is what later on in Romans 12 it says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person how is that gonna happen Paul how's it gonna happen here it comes by changing the way you think salvation transformation, becoming like Christ, reflecting the image of Christ our goal is transform thinking by the ideas that God has revealed to us by the Ruach of God to our Ruach we study, 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 study study, we fill our new brain our prefrontal cortex up with the ideas that have been revealed to us by God by train, changing the way you think then, then everybody, here it comes here it comes Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. How are you going to get what you want? Your brain. You're going to fill it up with the very ideas of God. The most powerful part of your body is going to get filled up with the most powerful ideas this world has ever known, and you're going to become the person you truly want to be, and you're going to get what you finally, finally have always wanted, the good, the good, perfect and pleasing will of God. Now, we activate the prefrontal cortex by doing what I've been talking about. Speak it out loud. God has a plan for you. Say it again. Say it with me. God has a plan for you. Activate that new brain, that new self, by saying God has a plan for you. This is why Jesus says, heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my words, my ideas, my words will never pass away. So in conclusion, I want to say this. I do a text messaging thing, and I know hundreds of you are on it. But on the screen right now is how you can sign up for it. And here's the reason I'm bringing it up to you right now. I'm going to give some pro tips on how to activate your prefrontal cortex. I'm going to give some pro tips about how to deal with anxiety and stress because there's a lot of science on it. And man, it just... It just It works so seamlessly with the Bible. It is amazing to me. I mean, Dr. Judd's book is not a Christian book, but doggone it, the science is exactly what the Bible said thousands of years ago. It is absolutely amazing. I wanna encourage you, bring your notebooks as well. And I wanna end with this final story. A grandfather was speaking to a grandson and he said, grandson, I wanna tell you something that's really important. Inside of you are two wolves. Inside of you are two wolves and they're having a fierce battle. One wolf is impatient, selfish, dishonest, mean, angry. He'll do whatever it takes. The other wolf is filled with love and joy, peace and patience and kindness and self-control. And you need to know there's a battle going on inside of you. And that grandson thought for a minute. And then he said, Grandpa, who's going to win the battle? And the grandfather said, the one that you feed the most. So I want to say to you, feed, feed, feed with the ideas of God, your new brain. All the time, feed, feed, feed. Now, for some of you, you have never understood salvation and transformation and becoming like Christ, reflecting the image of God. You have never thought of that in terms and for right now, for the first time ever, You're like, oh my gosh, I want to feed. I want to feed my brain with the awesome, incredible, life-changing ideas of God. I've never understood it that way, but sign me up. I'm in. I want to feed that wolf. I want to feed the wolf of love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you now just to raise your hand there in the chat. Just put it up there. Because I want to pray. And you can click later. You can click, hey, pray with me. We want to pray with you. But this is it. Do you know what salvation is? Do you want know transformation? This is it. This is what the Bible means when it says, make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. I want to, I just want to ask you, raise your hand right now, right now, to say, I want to feed my brain with the life-changing power of God, his ideas, his rock influencing my Ruach. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to lift up all those who are watching, especially those right now who have raised their hand and said, sign me up. God, I want your Ruach to fill my Ruach. I want your powerful, life-changing ideas to fill my mind. Bless us all. Put us on a passion, a journey to our true self and towards being transformed in our thinking.